Denny's is gutter sauce, and so is Waffle House. Waffle House is where you go to make the last mistake of your evening. Waffle House is terrible. I've been there many times. <laughs> it's, it's terrible, terrible, terrible. Awful food. They've, they've taken my money. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. Joe Deck and Leela McRae with you here this week again. And Leland, it is now into the regional tournaments that will start this week If in the sports that haven't already had regional tournaments start. Um, let's start with the boys' soccer. We went to a boys' soccer game today where we saw Lee thrash Strasburg 17 to nothing after winning the boys' Shandoah district title. Um, but and we'll hear an interview from, or a couple interviews, uh, actually, later in the episode. But let me get your opinion first before I give mine. Uh, Ari Lee in a very dominating victory today. I, I thought they were good. I, was, I mean, it was obvious Strasburg was overmatched from the beginning. You could really see it early. Um, <laughs> you were a couple minutes late. And uh, what was it, 4 nothing when you walked in the stadium? Yeah. It wouldn't happen quickly. And it was just the back line for Strasburg wasn't able to hold up. I don't know if they had the best approach to handle Lee. Uh, They played each other last year and Lee's the same team they were last year. So I was a little surprised that they didn't look a little better prepared for the onslaught that was about to happen. Um, But Lee took it to them and I liked it. I like that Lee um, poured it on. It's the time of the year where you don't need to show respect to district foes and try not to beat them. 20 to nothing you pour it on you play your best soccer as long as you can then you get guys out when you can but if that still means it's going to get to 17 nothing like it did today that's fine it's it's region playoffs you you play soccer until you're off the field so uh i was i liked what i saw out of lee still you just gotta know they're just gonna have to be able to crank it up when they play george mason because they will have not seen anybody close to that and that includes their next game against clark county um they won't have seen anybody like george mason but I, you know, I don't know who George Mason's seeing that's that as good as they are either. So it, it it'll be an adjustment probably for both teams. But um, they just weren't even matched today. Yeah, I kind of agree. Um, and as you said, I got there a little bit late, and so I had already missed the first four goals of the game. Uh, you still got to see plenty. <laughs> yeah, I saw most of them, but uh, which is upsetting. Um, but yeah. I would have liked to seen how Strasburg started when I got there. I noticed they were playing a back line of just two, which probably had something to do with the 17 goals that were scored. Um, I mentioned to you and our friend and loyal listener, Rob, that Strasburg, Ron, I think is his name. Yeah. Yeah. Ron, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, that Strasburg's, Formation was more amorphous blob than anything. I think part of that is, as you said, they were just overmatched. Lee was faster than yeah. they were. Lee was more disciplined than they were. And there's just more talent there. It's not a Strasburg's being outcoached. It's not that Strasburg's players are downright terrible. Lee might be the second best team in the state of Virginia. And they might or, just be the best. Or team. the best. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they could be one of the two best teams in the state of Virginia. They're going to play George Mason. We'll see. Because that is... Until someone beats them, that's the best team in the state of Virginia, in my opinion. So, I mean, they we'll beat them last year happens. in the region final. Yeah, I think they I didn't say beat that them when it counts. Week. Didn't beat them when it counts. 
I know, but they did beat them in the region final, so they are beatable. They're going to go into that game with confidence. Hey, we've beat them before. It can be a mentality. We can make it, you know, let's go into the state uh, playoffs with an advantage, with a home game, and and see what they can play for. And I think that'll be – that's the real test everybody's waiting for. It will happen up at George Mason, assuming both teams win on Wednesday, which is just elementary at this point. They'll play up at George Mason, not because George Mason has a better record or something like that. It's just because every other year, Region A host and then Region B host and then Region A host and then Region B host. So that's that our, uh, excuse me, not region, uh, district. Um, Bull Run hosts, Shenandoah hosts. Bull Run hosts, Shenandoah hosts. So that's, it's what it is. And they're going to go up there on Friday. And if they want to, if they want to have, they're going to have to win on the road. And if they want to win the state championship, they're going to have to win in Radford. So what's the difference? So. Go and win the game. I, I, they have pieces. They've been together for so long. I'm confident what they got. I want you to dig in to, to their, to the, to the detail a little bit on them. You've already called out after the Wilson game some good de- detail on what Lee does. You know what did you see as their strengths coming out of this game? Even though it was against lesser competition, you know who you, who do you think they're going to rely on, or, or what positions are they going to lean into? Uh, well, you know. <laughs> Kyle Stencil had five goals, so it's pretty hard to ignore that performance. Um, he was very good. I noticed Lee just being very aware of where the ball is and where teammates are. Uh, they were pinpoint crosses, great through balls. Uh, when shots would go off the goalie, the other player knew exactly where to be standing uh, to get ready for rebounds. Um, garbage goals like hockey, that's uh, another term that gets thrown around in soccer. Uh, and you know, they count the same as the wonder strikes from outside the box in the top corner. So, uh, it's all about being where you're supposed to be. And you could see the team chemistry that this team has, uh, in playing with each other for as long as they have, because the balls were exactly where they were supposed to be for the most part. The defense was good. Um, but as, as you said, it's lesser competition. So you just don't know, like, I, I don't know. I haven't seen. Lee's defense really be tested. And so that's why as upsetting as it probably is that the region championships on a Friday and I may or may not be going, uh, Oh, I'm going to miss it. Yeah. Uh, yeah I'm, I'm probably going to have to miss it as well. Um, that would be an interesting game to see, uh, because I think that's probably the first time Lee is going to find itself in a bona fide soccer match. And it was last year too, and Lee and Lee showed up and played. So I'm confident that they can go in there with confidence with the lessons they learned from the past. I, I will say they need to make sure they don't get in a spot when they're under pressure that somebody or one area of the field or the forwards or something don't try to do too much. Play within your game. Use this advantage where they know where each other are, where they know where those pinpoint passes are coming, where they know that rebound's coming off of. Don't try to do too much. Don't try to do beyond what you've done all season keep getting yourself in the right position and don't try to create a new challenge react to what george mason's doing don't try to do too much and be where you've been all season for these guys on these passes i think that's going to be a crucial thing as the as the competition steps up and, and and even moving in assuming they get to that region final they're moving on to states either way so even in that state semifinal game that'll be something to remember yeah um well, state quarter for state quarter, state quarter, yeah. I guess would be the next game. Yeah. The other Shenandoah district team making a lot of noise in our area on the boys side is Wilson. They win beating central 
and they will move on to play George Mason, which good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck there. And, and, but Hey, have a good showing against George Mason. It'll maybe prove a little bit of something, but you're, it's going to be hard for you to get past that game. I think I'll tell you what, everybody in Stanton will be rooting for you to take down George Mason. Everybody's be rooting for a Wilson victory. Cause that'll just mean league is to play Wilson again, which has added up to what? eight nothing on the season or more than that 11 nothing on the season so um not gonna happen george mason's just just if we talk about lee being a sure thing george mason is probably even more so so great season wilson you establish yourself as the second best program in soccer there you're losing your coach but you'll probably be able to continue with a lot of good talent good season but if you get out of this week that will shock the entire state of virginia Moving on to the girls' side, Leland, Stewart's draft. They lose the district championship, but being the regular season champion, they still represent the top half of the Shenandoah district, which means they avoid Mason until a region championship. Um, but, yeah, the loss in PKs in that district championship. Um, there's surprising. A, yeah, it's surprising, uh, Stonewall winning that district championship. But there's a saying in soccer, and it kind of applies to hockey as well, but more so in soccer because – PKs in soccer are just basically a guessing game of where the goalie thinks the person's going to shoot. So it's the ultimate equalizer. And when you're playing a team that might not have the talent or just the sheer ability that another team does, they're praying for PKs. Um, As a Team USA men's national team fan, whenever we're in the World Cup and we're playing like a Germany or a Belgium in a knockout game, I'm like, get us to PKs and then whatever happens can happen. Because you just don't match up with those teams as well. And I think Stewart's draft, you know, they couldn't get a goal in regulation. They didn't allow a goal in regulation, which is great. But they couldn't get a goal in regulation, so then they have to go to extra time. Then that goes to penalty kicks. And you know what? Stonewall, um, they they guessed better than Stewart's draft, and they ended up getting the district championship in the tournament, which is great for them. And now Stewart's draft uh, has to rebound. Um, They already did win the region tournament game. So against Central and they'll, and they're going to face Larray, a familiar opponent, one that's played them tough this year. And that was the first team to score on Stewart's draft mm-hmm. this year was Larray towards the end of the season. So Larray, maybe with a little momentum against Stewart's draft, something to watch out for as they face off in the middle of the week. But we're all assuming we'll see a George Mason Stewart's draft final on Friday. And I hope they do, because that means Stewart's draft will be moving on to the state tournament. Just no matter what happens there. It's interesting, though, that the Shenandoah district didn't send a four seed to the uh, region tournament. I don't know what's going on there, but uh, George Mason got the first round by, so a big advantage for them. Only going to have to play two games this week compared to everybody else's three. Yeah, I, I don't think that matters for a program and a team like that. I think that's just another bonus. I, I think even with the extra game, it wouldn't really matter for them. It's just a soccer soccer factory. I mean, the boys and the girls programs, you know, we heard, and you'll hear later, Lee boys are expecting to get to a state championship. That's their goal this year. That's where they Yeah, they're talking taking it one game at a time, but still they have that. That's that their goal. State. Um, yeah. George Mason isn't to get to the state tournament or get to the state championship. It's to win the state championship. That's the goal every year. That's what they do uh, in soccer. So it, you have to, when, when you're playing a team with that kind of mentality, I don't think an extra day off or anything is going to really make or break that team. It doesn't make them, but it it definitely it definitely it probably them. Yeah. at this point in the season when you're when you're used to playing two games a week and then you get into these tournaments where you're playing three games a week, it, it's a little bit of a plus to a team that doesn't need any more pluses to them. 
Uh, talking about soccer, Riverhead still alive in the 1B tournaments, both girls and guys. They host a doubleheader against Rappahannock. They're different seeds, but still Rappahannock coming to Riverheads for both girls and guys. I believe those games are on Tuesday. So as you're listening to this, you might hear the finals on um, or it happened last night for you. Um, but a big night of soccer there at Riverheads for the girls and guys. And it looks like they're probably, both of them are looking to get Stonewall, likely, if they win. And uh, both of those Stonewall teams, very solid in soccer. It'll be tough for Riverheads in both matchups. So something to watch for if you are a Riverheads fan and a soccer fan. Jumping over to baseball, where Riverheads fandom is easy there. The Gladiators did win the Shenandoah District. They took care of business. They had a tough game against Gap. I was actually at that game in the middle of the week last week and gap was up early for nothing. And then the bats came alive for Riverheads, and they started putting them out of the park and uh, big home runs for Garrett painter and uh, King and uh, and uh, Shuey was hitting. Well, Shuey had a really good uh, championship game on Friday, but Riverheads does win the Shenandoah district championship, something that everybody had kind of penciled Page County in for. Uh, so another banner at Riverheads for baseball there. They move into the 1A tournament where they get the first round by and they're waiting on the winner of the Central Lunenburg Stonewall game that will happen Tuesday night. All right, if I can, before we go to baseball, I do want to go back to soccer really quickly. Waynesboro boys, Region 3C, playing Western Albemarle, uh, or played Western Albemarle. Uh, that did not go well. And then uh, <laughs> on the girls' side, they were playing Fluvanna. I don't have a – we didn't get a score on that one, but um, we'll keep that one in mind. Uh, we want to congratulate both those programs and those teams. <laughs> we just look over the Valley District. It's it's uh, disrespectful, really. That's what um, you try to do, yeah. I'm going to try <laughs> to keep it honest here. But um, as you were saying in baseball, Buffalo Gap has had a – Recent history, uh, and we'll get to the region tournament here in a second, but of jumping out to big leads and then just not being able to hold on. Uh, some of that is the bats get hot and then the bullpen can't hold it. Some of that is just the teams they're playing are really good teams too. And so it's hard to keep a good team down for long. Riverheads is a state defending state champion. They very much expect to win another state championship this year. Um, so that's that's a big part of it. Yeah, and they're just a well-solid team, and they come into every game with confidence. And I, I really think at the high school level, that's half the battle, is just to have you come in with your players with confidence that they can win. Uh, learning how to win is a phrase I've said so often. Learning how to win is the hardest part of high school sports. So uh, they've been do, able to do that in baseball as well as all the success they've had in other sports. And, and, and it probably picks them up some wins in the season. But as you move into regional play, it, it helps you less because a lot of those teams are good and you're playing good programs, you know, pretty much in every game. So uh, it starts to equal out here, but Riverhead's definitely looking to continue. And, and from what I saw, they're balanced everywhere. Um, a lot of familiar names all over the field, but strong defense. They're putting the, um, the bat on the ball a lot of times. And I, that really what it takes at high school baseball is just putting the ball in play and let the other team fumble it around. Riverheads was able to do that in the Shenandoah District Championship against Stewart's Draft. They really knocked the ball around out in the field. Stewart's Draft did. And so um, Riverheads continues to put the ball in play. They'll keep on going. Um, other baseball action uh, in 2B, uh, Strasburg beat Buffalo Gap today. And today around 1 p.m., I clearly looked over at you and I said, hey, Gap looked pretty good against Riverheads in that uh, Shenandoah District semi. I think Buffalo Gap's going to beat Strasburg. I'm taking them right here. And uh, you, you know, not knowing any better or worse, you just, you know, dismissed me. 
because if I make a, a statement that you don't already already think, uh, you just dismiss it as it's preposterous. And Homerism. Um, I get home, I look at Twitter, I see a Strasburg Twitter, I see, you know, fourth inning, seven nothing or something, Buffalo Gap. And I'm like, well, there you go. And I just sent you the screenshot and I had choice words to say to you and I couldn't wait for this podcast to come so I could just pour it on. The problem with that is that it was a softball tweet. The Buffalo Gap softball team was also playing Strasburg today and they did go on to beat Strasburg in softball. But the baseball team played later and, and Strasburg really took care of the bison. So I was wrong and in the process talked a lot of junk to you about it and uh, got proven wrong. Not only in was I wrong at projecting what would happen, um, I was even wrong in the score I was reading as using proof that I was right to you. So it was pretty much the double embarrassment. Yeah, I didn't even catch that because when I saw the score later <laughs> from the baseball game, I just saw Strasburg ended up winning and I was like, Okay, Leland. And uh, I didn't look at the message because I was sitting it from the other Twitter. It didn't say softball in it. It just said inning. Like it, it yeah, really yeah, yeah. didn't. I I could have double checked. I didn't even catch the <laughs> score though, because the one you did send me earlier was like seven nothing Buffalo Gap. And then the yeah. final one that I sent you, I think was like twelve to one. And I I didn't even catch that there was the difference in the gap score between the two. Uh, sport I tweets. think Gap did end up scoring more than that, uh, and I, I do think they got towards it. They put some runs on the board. It wasn't quite as bad as twelve to one. And my logic was that Gap is scoring runs, and that's going to you know shake things up. I'm always a homer to our local teams, you are. at least to a point. And then especially Buffalo Gap, I end up doing that. So uh, yeah, I was wrong. I don't know how else to say it. And I talked a lot of junk, and I was wrong. It happens. Yeah, it does happen. Um, and <laughs> you do take a lot of homerish aspects and the teams in our area when i embrace them fully that's when they can take solace knowing that i don't do that um i tend to be more honest and <laughs> you're you're pessimistic until proven wrong i am realistic <laughs> i embrace the darkness that is the real world and i just share the truth and sometimes that truth is hard to hear but when i'm telling a team like Stewart's draft girl soccer Losing the district championship stinks. You still have a great chance to go to the state tournament, though. They can rest assured that I believe that, and I'm not just giving them lip service. Um, still, though, Buffalo Gap, good season. Um, they just couldn't beat Strasburg in yeah, baseball. Yeah, and Strasburg's the number one team coming out of the, out of the uh, bull run, so it's not like there's some pushover. No. Draft one, uh, the sh- second team from the Shandoah district beat the third team from the bull run, so draft will now play Strasburg. Mason beats Wilson and Page beats Central to round out the Region 2B baseball. So basically in 2B, draft is our last homer team to to root for there. Um, Looking at all three of those other teams probably looks stronger than Stuart Strap, but we'll be rooting for them. Uh, The cool news, and we'll go softball or baseball straight into uh, softball here, Fort Defiance really started off Region 3C the right way at the end of last week. Fort Defiance boys baseball, number seven seed, went to TA and beat them. Took out the number two team out of that region, and it was TA, who was a really good team, produces each and every year, and Fort took them out. And so TA goes home, Fort moves on. I believe they're going to face Brookville High School, who is the number three seed. And so they're going to try to continue this run. And, yeah, one more win out of them, and that would they're playing Tuesday night. Uh, they'd be able to move on to the state tournament. Same story, uh, the softball team. They went and played number one Brookville. They were the eight seed in Region 
SEC. The softball team from Fort Defiance goes and beats Brookville, sends them packing, and they'll advance in the tournament. And it was just a great night on the diamond for the Fort Defiance Indians. Yeah, you know, I joked with you on Twitter. Megan Good, obviously inspiring greatness there on the Fort Defiance <laughs> yeah. Diamonds. Um, and you know what? Good job for Fort Defiance because that that this is proof that if you're in the playoffs, you have a chance. And so yep. while we're talking about Lee and George Mason in, in soccer, they're sure things. If anything, Fort Defiance proved that we can be proven wrong in that aspect. I think both of us would have said TA and uh, Brookville I mean, you're, are... You're not going to assume the eight. Are sure things. From softball is going to win, yeah. Right, and so they Fort Defiance upsetting TA, who is a team that I think had much bigger aspirations on the diamond than region playoffs. So for them to get knocked out this early, good job for Fort Defiance. Yeah, and Fort Defiance softball they travel to Liberty High School, who is the four seed, uh, and they'll play them on Tuesday night. Much easier game than Brookville. So if you if you Should beat the be. one, you can beat the four. Should be other softball action. Um, Wilson um, and Madison will play, and Strasburg and uh, and Gap. Uh, Strasburg and Gap played today. Gap won big. Uh, Wilson and Madison played. Uh, we don't have a score there, but all this is after Buffalo Gap won the Shenandoah District, beating the number one uh, seed Page County in the Shenandoah District. So it, it was a good Friday night. Uh, like I said earlier, a lot of Shenandoah District teams from Augusta County winning the winning the district titles, and that was fun to see. That is good, and you know we're obviously hoping for both of our teams to get in there. Um, Wilson's got a much bigger hill to climb with Madison, um, and then of course if Wilson and Gap both win, then they would be playing each other. All right, let's get out of high school sports. Valley League baseball season is started. I'm excited. We're all excited. We're going to be talking Valley League all season on the Yak Sports Podcast, as I'm going to be focusing on the Stanton Braves. You're going to be focusing on the Waynesboro Generals for our podcast purposes. And uh, I'm hopeful the Stanton Braves can put a team together this year that can make a pennant run. It's been a while since they've been able to uh, to win the championship. Yeah, it's been since 1999. I actually had a chance, and we'll post it later uh, next week on the Yak Sports podcast. But I sat down with Steve Cox, the GM, uh, and talked to him a little bit today for the other podcast, 40 Sports, which is a more Valley League as a whole uh, look. But again, as Leland said, we'll be focusing on Waynesboro and Stanton here all summer long. So if those are the only two teams you care about, be sure to listen here for those. If you care about the Valley League as a whole, check out 40 Sports too. But um, Oh, yeah. I talked to Steve and, you know, he asked, he talks about that uh, and talks about, you know, the plan to try to get back there uh, and and make a title run. Uh, haven't had one in the 21st century. They're looking for it now. Uh, and he also talks about, you know, the process of the coaching searches that went on this summer. Uh, and then, of course, you get to hear a, just some 4D humor there at the end with a favorite animated movie and a guilty pleasure Which is pleasure the, the best closeout question of all podcasts. I, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> and the Waynesboro Generals, uh, you know, they've had similar amount of success in the history of VBL, but a lot more recently than the Braves have been able to have. And that's the big rival of the Braves. Uh, they went in championships in 14 and 13. So it's been, you know, four or five years since Waynesboro won it. They're looking to get back there. Um, I always look between, you know, the teams I'm watching, especially the Braves, local kids playing. Um, 
I was really only noticing one uh, JMU player on the Stanton Braves, a pitcher named Grubbs. So I'll be rooting for him. He's from over in Louisa. So somewhat of a hometown boy. Waynesboro has a kid from Crozet that also plays at Duke. He's an infielder named Murray. So there's some local guys on those two teams to cheer for. Uh, some of the season-long uh, storylines, or as the season gets going, storylines. New Market Rebels coming off the championship last year, so everybody would be trying to knock them off. You know, this league isn't built for dynasties. You know, you get a fresh group of players each and every year. Um, the better managed teams tend to stay in the top, but you don't usually see the same team winning, you know, three or four straight. So everybody's trying to be knocking New Market off. You know, the New Market, whoever they have returning, the new people will be trying to, you know, hold up and uh, continue that tradition there. Yes and no. Um, I think there's recent trends, and I think part of that is management, as you said, at the at the yeah. top level, and who who is doing the recruiting and the kind of relationships they're able to build. Charlottesville has built themselves a nice little program in yep. the South, and in the North, last year was the second year in an eight or nine year history for the Strasburg Express that they didn't make the playoffs and they have been in the championship yeah. and won as many championships as they've missed the playoffs, but they've been in the championship more times than they've missed the playoffs. Uh, and in fact, until last year that broke a streak of three straight appearances in the championship game. So it, that's a program that is very well yeah, run. Very well. And yeah. I would expect to see the Strasburg Express who missed the playoffs last year. I would definitely expect to see them back in the playoffs and maybe the most hungry team in the Valley. The interesting thing about the VBL is, you know, you have, you get these kids signed up and they're going to come and then anything can happen, whether oh, it's yeah. they change their mind or they get an offer from a, a, a competing league, um, particularly the Cape Cod League, is is a pretty high level league. Uh, once in a while, a kid won't show up because he ends up taking an offer from up there, and then you get kids coming late because their teams are playing in the College World Series. So your team is in flux at all times, and it's pretty interesting. But then as you get into the end of July and the summer gets long, you know, can you keep those players motivated to stay there and not take off and go home? And uh, you know, you've seen BBL teams have that in past past years you see uh the rockingham county like really battle that with with players um you know not showing up anymore so it's just an interesting thing to watch if, if that roster stays the more consistent it stays it kind of helps those teams stay better and uh, that'll be something to watch as the season goes on and, and then also something i'm going to particularly watch you talked about charlottesville a lot already you know that's kind of the new rival for both waynesboro and stanton in that south division and they're in their new team and they're already doing very well and they get in the playoffs and they and they're getting a lot of wins each year they've been in existence so it's kind of a new rivalry there and I, that I've been enjoying you know every I think the last two years the only Braves games I've gone to I think maybe not only ones but like 90% of them have been against Charlottesville so that's an interesting real rivalry and if you're a fan of either of the local team Stanton or Waynesboro that's kind of a the new rival who, who does well yeah I do want to go back to a point you were making earlier um uh, first and foremost the RCBL and Valley Baseball League are apples and oranges. Um, but they're two different things, but they pull it. They do try to both leagues. VBL pulls college players for summer league only Rockingham County League. That's part of the player pool that they try to pull from. And usually it's the ones that aren't in the VBL, like that didn't get invitations yeah. or something. The VBL typically, the other thing I wanted to mention, the biggest threat to the VBL is the college coach. Uh, with pitchers 
the pitchers yeah. being on a pitch count, hitting that pitch count, and then the college coach saying, okay, he's done. That happens. I understand it from the college coach aspect. He's trying to protect his player uh, and not get him thrown out. The other thing you got to watch, I mean, there's a lot of talent in the Valley League, uh, and so some of these kids get drafted. And, some of them get drafted. And yeah, the they're only major, there two weeks. When yeah. the majors come calling, it's hard for kids to say no sometimes. So I don't blame them for that either. Um, typically, you won't lose a kid to the Cape Cod League once he's here in the summer, uh, unless it's no, early. No, but like in May, I've seen a lot of a lot. If of, it's early, yeah. yeah if no, it's early, yeah. if we get to yeah. July, they're no, gonna, they're, not they're gone here. Then, yeah, for that. yeah, if yeah. they're here in July, they're here, um, unless the college coach recalls them. But or an once in a while, you do hear of a late call up because even up there, they hit the limit inning limit and stuff and, and they start scratching for players up there to a point. Um, but yeah, it's not common once you get through June for that to be the reason a player leaves. Uh, and I think this is going to be a great league uh, and a great season. As you mentioned, Charlottesville is a team in the South that has become a rival for these two teams. Harrisonburg used to be the big team in the South. Charlottesville's kind of overtaken them there. Waynesboro. Uh, was another threat to contend there. Uh, again, you mentioned they won championships in 2014, 2013. That's about the time we saw the rise of Strasburg as well. So those two were duking it yep. out constantly. Then Charlottesville kind of made their presence known yep. uh, with Harrisonburg. So uh, those four teams right there are something else. And that's not including Covington, who was another good team. Who, the other team has, in the South. a lot of good seasons, yeah. Yeah, that's another good team in the South. And, you know, out of those five teams, one of them has to miss the playoffs. So uh, all five of those teams are very, very well run, in my opinion. I ha- I've been fortunate enough to talk to most of the people in charge with those organizations. I don't get the impression that any of them are incompetent in any way. So I think that's what makes this league interesting, too is just being able to see the recruiting process play out in different ways for different teams. And then uh, I talked about it with both the Strasburg GM and the Stanton GM tonight um, that you'll hear, but on the 40 sports podcast, and then you'll hear the Stanton one here on yak next week, but the community outreach, this league relies on community so much, and it's important for the community to invest in this because that's how these kids get into the majors for some of them. Um, this is a place where major league scouts will look for talent. Uh, I know it's hard for people to believe that a major league baseball scout's going to come to, you know, Stanton or oh, Waynesboro, they're there. but they're, they're there. there. Yeah. They're watching these kids and draft picks come from these places. And these kids can do a lot of great things in major league baseball. And the Valley league allows that to happen. Yeah, yeah, I love I love the VBL and uh, been big fan of the Stan Braves. Hey, when I was growing up, Stan Braves were the top of the league. I mean, they were winning pennants all the time. They were kind of the team of the '90s uh, in the VBL, and they they their big thing too was winning the regular season. I think they won it most years in the uh, '90s when I was growing up. They were dominant in the regular season. They didn't win the championship every single year. Uh, there used to be a couple jokes comparing them to the Atlanta Braves, um, but uh, they were probably they got to more championships uh, than the Atlanta Braves were able to cap off. So um, very interesting there. I'm I'm looking forward to a time when the Stanton Braves can have that kind of success again, and hopefully that starts this Friday when the whole league gets going. Stanton opens up with Front Royal, Waynesboro opens up with Covington, and we'll be talking about these two teams all season long. Moving on to the NBA, the NBA finals are set. We've got the Milwaukee Bucks and the Toronto Raptors, or excuse me, the Toronto Raptors taking out the Milwaukee Bucks. They'll get the Golden State Warriors. 
It's um, the shocker. You you just nailed it in your in your lack of recollection of what happened. I mean, we were so dismissive of Toronto a week ago, and it feels like all the media was. But Toronto put it together, and and I actually want to really commend their coaching because it was a lot of coaching adjustments on how they handled Giannis and how they attacked things and um, maybe where they sat Drake in Toronto. Uh, it really seemed to get in their head what all adjustments were made by Toronto and Milwaukee just kind of fell flat on their face after, you know, going up in that series and uh, Toronto earned the spot in the finals to get absolutely rocked by the Warriors. Gentlemen sweep Warriors in five. Yeah. I'm not going to argue about that. I, 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 I think I would be surprised if it's a four Oh sweep, but I don't think there'll be any time in this series. You're like, Oh, Toronto is going to win it. Kawhi Leonard, I mean, he he went He's up good. there from San Antonio, which was a bad situation. Him getting out of there, he just sat the whole end part of the season last year. It was really ugly. And Toronto kind of took one of their mainstays, traded them to get Kawhi Leonard there. Leonard got it done. He got him into the finals. And that's if you're an East Coast team right now, that's got to be your goal to get to the fi- get into the finals. From there, maybe you're you know what you got in front of you with the Warriors, but get into the finals. They did just that. So a lot of credit to Kawhi Leonard of pushing them over the top. And when it came to big moments in these playoffs, game seven in the last round, many of these games in this Eastern Conference final, Kawhi Leonard was the one they went to. And you saw everybody kind of shine away from shots, and Kawhi Leonard got it done. I agree. Um, Stanley Cup will start tonight. That's the St. Louis Blues, Boston Bruins. Um, that's probably going to be Boston. It's going to be gross. Yeah, well, I think we'll talk about that when it goes final. Okay. <laughs> the Baltimore I Orioles. Like, I mean, I just don't know anything about those two teams. The best thing about this series is that Pam Beasley, uh, um, uh, the actress that played Pam Beasley, and the Jenna actress that, or the actor that played Jim Halpert, Krasinski. they are Boston fan and St. Louis fans, not respectively inverse. There, Pam is the uh, St. Louis fan, and Jim is the Bruins fan, and so Twitter had a lot of fun with that. Uh, right when this got all set up. So I I'm on, uh, I'm on team Pam. I've always rooted for Pam. I know she, you know, plays a lot of games, but I, I'm, I'm rooting for Pam. <laughs> plays a lot of games. is a nice way to put it. Plays a lot of games. Plays a lot of games. All I right. Like, um, I like the Twitter feeds that like dive into like how terrible Pam is. And like, they make some good points, but I like Pam. I do. I always, and also in the later seasons, I like Pam and Dwight's relationship almost as much as anything. Okay, I'll save this for another summer episode. <laughs> um, moving on to Major League Baseball, the Orioles finally won a game today, which is Monday, Memorial oh, cool. Day. Um, yeah. But before that, they had blown their last four saves, which was really cool to watch. Uh, and they were just downright dreadful. Um, they, they're going to lose 100 games. I'm back to They're gonna, yeah. definitely going to lose 100 games. Um, I sent you some terrible stat to you the other day, and, and that was your reply. We're going to lose 100 games. And like, what, what more can I... like? dig on you if you just admit that if you're losing 100 games like ugh, that's terrible so yeah we're the worst I'm, team in baseball out. it is what it is um i'm numb i'm numb to the pain uh i just i don't care about wins and losses this year i just want the young guys to look good bad news michael Givens is fairly young and he's definitely not a closer in fact he's been so bad i don't know if you can flip him i think you just have to just ride it out uh i don't think his arbitration is going to go up so that's the good news I guess um, the Nats are fledgling and just, I know they swept the Marlins, but you can't play the Marlins. Yeah, they're terrible. You can't play the Marlins forever. The pirates are the pirates. They I don't know what to of, make they of won them. Two of three against the Marlins would be like, no, they the swept them. 
No, they didn't sweep them. Yeah. They did not. They didn't. You talk about the Pirates. I'm looking it up. The Nationals didn't sweep the Marlins. Talk about the Pirates. I'm looking it up. The Pirates, uh, they continue to be up and down, and this was just another mediocre week. Um, It was nice to get them back on the East Coast. They had been on the West Coast for like a week and a half, two weeks. Um, But this is a team that at best is trying to fight for a wild card spot, probably not even win one. Um, So that's where they stand. And uh, the other teams to talk about, you know, Boston, they've righted the ship pretty well. They still on the outside looking in, but they're in position to where it's not an impossible task for them to make the playoffs. So I'm going to at some point go get all the dismissive comments you had to say about Boston at the beginning of the season when you said they were done after two weeks. I'm going to pull those back at some point because they are not done and they are going to be fighting to the playoffs into September. Maybe they don't make it. If they don't make it, I was right. No, I said this. If they don't make it, I was right. I said they're not going to the playoffs. I'll pull the quotes. It's fine. We, We can argue about that then, too. Again, we can look at the facts like you just did about the Nationals. I also assume that the Nats did not blow that lead today. So you are right. They won three out of four, not two out of three. They won three out of four. You are right. I'm going to pull that. I'm going to use that again. Uh, <laughs> gross. The Nationals are terrible. They're 10 games under they 500. Are. This team is... they got to fire him. Oh, my gosh. How there. does he have a job? I mean, that guy yeah, is a that. clown. Speaking of people who... How do they have jobs? NCAA umpires. Um, the softball... Oh, now, ball. it no. didn't cost JMU the Super Regional. Let's get that out of the way first. No. UCLA is just better. Yep. Um, but I saw more questionable calls from umpires at the softball uh, super regionals, just like in the regionals. Um, there is a pitch, and I, I only had the opportunity to watch Friday night's game, but there was a pitch that went off of the end of the bat for the UCLA batter. She totally acted like it didn't hit her. She wasn't trying to sell it. Uh, and the umpire goes, take your base. And she kind of stood there like, wait, what? And the umpire's like, yeah, it hits you. Take your base. And she's like, it did? And he goes, yeah. Take your base. So I was like, well, that was weird. And then they showed the replay, and it doesn't hit her. And you're like, oh, no wonder. The umpire's just incompetent. Uh, And then later, the very next at-bat for JMU, the ball hits the JMU girl's hand, breaks her hand, and the the umpire says, no, that one hit the bat. I I don't know. Maybe maybe it's an, an initiative from the NCAA allowing blind people to get behind the plate as part of, you know, blindness awareness or something. I don't know. That's an interesting strategy from the NCAA. I just wish they would have competent people behind the plate or, you know, on the diamond as being officials. That would be a start for me. But I I did not appreciate seeing just horrendous umpiring. Again, if only there was some way we could, like, record video of it and then be able to put it on, like, a monitor of some sort, maybe a tablet or a TV. Seems crazy. Have them watch it back to see if they get it wrong on stuff that's so obvious. Name a sport that actually does that. Yeah, I oh, know. All the other ones. All yeah, the other ones. if only we had that kind of technology. I mean, maybe <laughs> yeah, that would be something Yeah, I don't get why they don't do to. it, at least for the playoffs, at least for the College World Series tournament. They have ESPN at every single game. They, they cover every game. They have multiple cameras from every game. And maybe you only make, the, like, whatever the least amount of cameras you have at the worst site, that's, the li- that's what you're limited to at any site using for Instagram replay and then if at oklahoma or ucla you have 15 more cameras fine you can't use those for instant replay but just use those five or whatever you got and get it right because there's not been one time where though the the most simplest of cameras hasn't proven what the right call should be so it ncaa in the college world series 
have replay just for that. You don't have to do it the whole rest of the season. You, it's, it's fine. Everybody will accept it. Everybody will get used to it real quick when they get the calls right instead of all this wrong stuff that's happening. I do want to clean up what you were saying. Here at the X-Force Podcast, we're not against blind people. We just would like them used in the appropriate setting. Yeah, maybe just not umpiring or officiating. That they do have and yeah. not you know, use them in a role where sight is their uh, you know, biggest chief requirement. skill that they need to have. Yeah, where sight is a chief requirement. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I don't have a problem with blind people. I just don't want them officiating games. Um. Moving JMU, JMU was outclassed. That's all. Oh I'm yeah, saying. no, they were definitely outmatched. Um, yeah. I think, I think again, the number two team in the country this year, who is an all they're they're an Alabama type of program in college softball. They could very I well mean, win it. Yeah, they win national championships year after year. They're talking about their coach, how she won multiple with them as a player. She's won multiple with an assistant coach, and now she's won multiple with as a head coach. You're just up against a lot if you're JMU. I thought. You know, JMU would maybe hold their own a little better than they did. They didn't. They they got smacked around, and that's what it was. I did appreciate some of the big moments they did have, where they got some runs or did have big plays. It was a lot of local kids. It was Megan Good on the mound a lot, and it was the catcher uh, from TA, and it was the outfielder from Page County. I like the local kids um, at Page at uh, JMU playing, so uh, I appreciated seeing that. But yeah, they go home, but it was a great season, and they they maximized. They made it to the second round. Uh, they made it to the Super Regionals. That's about as high as JMU is going to make it. It's the highest they have ever made it, and uh, good for them. Yeah. Moving on to NCAA baseball, um, this is going to be a quick, quick Joe's guide to who to root for in each region. Um, let's start with in-state teams. There's This is going to be really quick. There's only one. It's Liberty University. They're the three-seed in the Chapel Hill Regional. Uh, with North Carolina as the one, Tennessee as the two. That's who Liberty will play in the first game. And UNCW, the lone CAA team, will be in there. So it's Liberty, Tennessee, Liberty, Tennessee, um, Wilmington, and UNC? Chapel Hill, yes. I would prefer if no teams come out of that region, if that's possible. It's going to be UNC, but yeah. Well, okay. it's going to be UNC. They're the home team in the, re- in the regional, and that's how it's set up, but that's disgusting. That's a disgusting region. As a person who is stuck in the CAA forever, I guess I will root for the CAA team and hope that UNCW wins. Um, moving we're, on, we're, though. We're both skipping past the state team. Moving on. Yep. <laughs> uh, moving on. UCLA is the number one overall seed. Obviously, it's an L.A. regional. They're in with Baylor, Loyola, Marymount, and the four seed in that region, Omaha. Joe's guy I appreciate, points to I, Omaha. I appreciate Baylor. I appreciate Baylor. They have the uh, the the Beavers or something outside the outside outfield fence, and uh, they like when they hit home runs, they have like a Beaver mascot run around the stadium. I, I appreciate the Baylor that Bears Baylor have baseball. that. Are you? Yes. Sh- okay, yes. I'm not rooting because for that. of the Beavers in the uh, beyond the outfield fence. No. Along the river. I want to see Omaha make it to Omaha. Give me the first. Oh, that'd seed. be cool. That'd be, that'd be really cool. <laughs> the winner of that region plays the Corvallis region, Oregon State, Creighton, Michigan, Cincinnati. Come on, dude. Blue Jays. Let's go. That's the only Blue Jays I'll ever root for. Toronto is gross, but come on, Creighton. It's going to be Oregon State, but come on, Creighton. They might need Joe Carter to come back and play for them if they're going to make it. Oklahoma State is the one seed in the Stillwater. They've got UConn, Nebraska, and Harvard. Let's go Ivy League. Nebraska. Texas Tech in the Lubbock Regional. They've got Dallas Baptist, who I think is going to win that region. Florida and Army as the four. Give me the Black Knights. That's a tough 
little matchup there. Florida is a solid program uh, in a down year. And then, uh, yeah, Texas uh, Baptist there. They're Dallas very Baptist good. is very good. Yeah. They're a very good team. They're one of those uh, teams that show up, uh, you know, like when you watch the NCAA hockey and stuff where it's not these traditional SEC powers and Big Ten powers. That's one of those kind of teams that pops in, and they're really good. Yeah, they're from the Missouri Valley Conference, which is a very good baseball conference. Yeah, um, that's a hard little region. Yeah, very tough. Um, again, Joe's guy tells you, Root for Army, expect Dallas Baptist. Uh, Arkansas, Cal, TCU, Central Connecticut. Uh, you know what? Let's get the name brand going for JMU football opponents. Come on, Central Connecticut. Yeah, unless Robert Morris is in this somehow, I guess I'll have to grab onto them as well. Ole Miss, Illinois, Clemson, Jacksonville State. Uh, you know what? I'll go ACC. I don't care. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't really care, so I guess Clemson, but I don't really care who wins that region. I want Central Connecticut to beat them. It's my default to not root for the home, the the hosting team. I mean, that's that's my default for baseball, unless it's a team I like. I want to root for one of these other teams coming in and beating them. Right. Uh, Georgia Tech, Auburn, Coastal Carolina, Florida A&M. Coastal Carolina's won a national championship already. Coastal. I'm taking them. Coastal Carolina. I agree. I, they've already won one. I think they have a chance here, but it's probably going to be Georgia Tech. Uh, we've already been over the Chapel Hill region. Let's go Seahawks from UNCW. Um, Stanford, California, Santa Barbara, the Gauchos, Fresno State, and Sacramento State. Ooh, I guess Stanford, but, man, I will root for them to get eliminated in the next round because I don't generally root for Pac-12 teams. Yeah, I disagree. I, I, yeah, Stanford, fine, whatever. Leland Stanford is uh, who Stanford University was founded by. Good first name. Okay. Mississippi State, Miami, Central Michigan, and Southern. Little less talk and a lot more action. You're supposed to be rooting for the Central <laughs> Michigan Chippewas. Okay, I'll, I'll take that flyer. Louisville, Indiana, Illinois State from the Missouri Valley, and UIC flames uh you know what this is a cardinal heavy region (laughs) it's an illinois heavy region i think you know what indiana usually impresses me with their uniform game i don't know what they have this year but i'm gonna go hoosiers i think this tournament's not big enough for two flames and this is the flames i'm going with wow get out liberty stay in this one (laughs) wow Ron may have something to say about that. East Carolina, NC State, Campbell, and Quinnipiac. Polls are showing Quinnipiac has almost no chance of winning. Give me, oh man, this is tough. Because I don't dislike East Carolina, even with the beef with Virginia Tech football. I also love any team named the Wolfpack because I can howl when I root for them. But the Campbell Camels is such an interesting name. This region, I really don't care who comes out. I hope they beat Indiana. But you know what? Come on, Camels. Let's go, Campbell. I'll I'll stick with the ACC here and the the hosting and the ACC team. I'll take the pack. Uh, East Carolina's hosting. Um, Excuse me. Excuse me. West Virginia. I'll take NC State either way. Yeah. West Virginia hosting the Morgantown Regional. They'll be going up against Texas A&M, Duke. And Fordham, give me Tamu. Man, I am not rooting for Duke or Fordham. I will root for Duke in literally nothing. Why not Fordham? What you, what's your problem with Fordham? I don't know. I have a problem with West Virginia. I have a new problem with Texas A&M. I am not rooting for Duke. So there we go. Process of elimination. 
Vanderbilt, another favorite to nope. win the whole shebang. Nope. Let them lose now. They're hosting in the Nashville Regional, going up against Indiana State, McNeese State, and Ohio State. This is tough because while I'm telling you who to root for based on teams and just blind nothingness, when I start to watch these games, in games where I don't really care, I will pick, I will switch my allegiance based on uniform. I already know I don't like Indiana State's uniforms. By the way, the third Missouri Valley team in the tournament, Indiana State. I'm going to pick the Sycamores here as the team to root for, but I already know if they have to play McNeese State, I am probably going to switch allegiances quickly because I do not like their uniform game. McNeese State, is that where um, the Tennessee quarterback, Tennessee Titan quarterback, Steve McNair, is that where he went, or was that Alcorn State? That was Alcorn State. Ah, well, I'll still go with McNeese. I'll still take McNeese for my confusion. I'll take it. Okay, so there you have your Joe Deck and Lila McRae rooting interests for the NCAA <laughs> baseball tournament. All these Don't games. Don't use them for your betting purposes. <laughs> no, no. Um, all of these games will be on ESPN3.com or one of the ESPN channels. I believe that tournament starts on Friday, uh, so that's bad news for them. I won't be watching Friday, as I'll probably be going to Valley League opening night, but uh, somewhere, and then yeah. um, Saturday and Sunday as well for the regionals. Yeah, Friday we have the choices of uh, region finals or Valley League openers. Uh, so I'll, I'll probably try to find myself uh, sitting in a Stanton Braves bleacher there Friday night. All right. Well, that will do it for now. We will come back with interviews from uh, Gypsy Hill Park earlier today with Coach Holmes and Kyle Stenzel of the Ari Lee Fighting Lehman soccer team. All right, back here on the Exports Podcast, Joe Deck and Leela McRae here with the uh, Shenandoah District Champions and now advancing in the Region 2B Tournament, Lehigh Lehman. we got Coach Holmes and uh, one of the top players for the Lehman there, Kyle Stenzel, uh, with a little post-game interview as you guys advance in the tournament. Coach, talk about uh, today's game and uh, what Strasburg was able to, to do and how you guys were able to counter it. Oh, we came with the mentality that we're going to have a good game to kind of work toward the, some of the stuff that uh, we're trying to work on the practices to kind of del- deliver it into the game. Uh, the kids came up very strong. We follow um, uh, some of the guidelines that we set up for them. Uh, the passing were good. Uh, uh, the combination and the crosses worked out very well today. Overall performance was very well. And uh, we put the kids in a different position in case of injury, which uh, we had an unfortunate incident today that one of our top players kind of got hurt, and uh, we don't know the status of it, Carson. So um, overall, it was a good performance, and um, we knew a little bit about Strasbourg. We played them last year, and um, now all of our concentration is for Wednesday's game to get mentally ready for that game, and we take in one game at a time. Coach, I know you say one game at a time, but you know Mason was the big bugaboo last year. You beat him in the regions, lose to him in the state semis. Now that's you know more likely than not who you're going to see again. How much does that matchup loom on your mind as the coach? Well, during the practices, during the season, we're constantly talking about it. They are in the back of our head, and we're looking toward them, but one game at a time because if you overlook some of these opponents and we kind of come in soft, uh, especially at this time of year, you lose, you go home. So we try to focus on the 
immediate game, but looking up toward what's coming up. I mean, right now we're concentrating on Clark, which is their number two, I believe. So we got to get rid of them before we can look up to uh, George Mason. But uh, based on last year, you know, that was past. You can dwell on it. You can kind of have compare stuff, but they're a different team. We are a different team and uh, we're looking forward to that competition. Is there any, you know, overall changes you made this season, you know, with, with the high goal in mind? I mean, it's, it's great you want to stand into a district championship. It's great that you're moving forward in the Region 2B, but obviously, you know, you made it to the state playoffs last year. That had to be on your mind this year. Is there any approaches you changed this year to uh, help your team advance further? Was there any difference in the way you coached the team? We changed a couple of aspects of our training. One, we're doing a lot of mental training this year rather than some of the tactical and technical uh, because as we go forward, that part of the mindset plays more than just the physical game itself. And we've been practicing a lot of meditation, try to get our mind sharper, not to think ahead, just at the present. And the kids are uh, responding pretty well. And um, that's the only difference that we have this year. Kyle, I wanted to ask you, a uh, big win today. You had five goals. Uh, talk about your performance here today. Yeah, I just tried to play aggressive, but, I mean, my teammates found me in good spots, and, like, Thomas and Marcus were able to get into and score some goals. Uh, you know, talk about your season. Compare compare this season a little bit to last year at this time. Uh, you know, last year was kind of the, the furthest you guys had, had run up. Um, talk about your expectation level throughout the season and, and what you thought this team could do. I think – like our main goal is to win states. We've done pretty much everything else, so that's what we're really focused on. So just game by game, trying to win and like keep advancing. Uh, completely acknowledge that you're focused on this team you're playing for right now and this season and, and that goal. I do want to ask you about you know uh, accepting the offer to go to Virginia Tech and play soccer at the next level. You know, talk about that process with Virginia Tech and what it was like to make such a big decision. Yeah, it was it was just really exciting. That was like. One of my goals for my soccer career was to play Division One, and that was like one of my dream schools to play at. So, and and as any of our podcast listeners know, we're very uh, happy with the school you chose to go to down there uh, in Blacksburg. What what set Tech apart from other schools that were interested in having you? Obviously, more than one school would want you to come play soccer for them. What set them apart? Just that it was like in Virginia, so it was kind of like hometown. And then I all the facilities and just I when I was with the team, I thought I fit in re- like really well with them. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Kyle, for joining us. And uh, we're going to wish both of you guys good luck as you guys advance in these playoffs. And uh, we look forward to watching you. Thank you. All right. And again, thanks to Coach Holmes and Kyle Stenzel for their time after the soccer game today to talk to us. Leland, it's time to move yeah. on now. Kyle, Kyle's not a man of many words, but we got a couple. We got a couple out of them there. Yeah, we got a few. Um, <laughs> but moving on to what is dominating our lives and what we know that you need to know, Leland, I will toss it to you first. What is dominating your life? You know, I got really excited about the JMU's. Uh, advancement in the softball uh college world series there and my wife being a jmu fan it's really easy for us to jump in uh at any point and be big jmu fans uh and you know sure it happens in playoffs i'm not against people jumping in at the at the championship time because 
the games are more readily available then and stuff. So I, I don't have a big problem with that. I do think it would be good if your championship team you're going to reference, if you could name some players off of them. And with the JMU softball team, I could do that. So I don't feel bad at all about rooting for them down the stretch. I do wonder if some people root for that team that won the lacrosse championship today could, could name a lacrosse player, but that's fine. We'll move on. And where all this debate got to was Megan Good had an absolute dominant career career in college softball while at JMU. And it started when she was a freshman and where she was playing the second pitcher to the, uh, and I, her name escapes me right now, but she was from Bath County and she was a very good pitcher. Megan Good played number two to her. And then Megan Good overtook the role of it's the ace of the, of the pitching staff. And she's carried that on. And Alexander now is coming behind her as the number two seed, but good has all the records now for pitching at JMU. She was a very good hitter. She was player of the year for CAA uh, at different times pitcher of the year this year um just an all-around great player for them and just dominant dominant in the caa and got attention at the national level again she's a top three finalist for the player of the year award in college softball she was that two years ago as well so congratulations to her she earns all the recognition she can get and that brought up um a debate and i was it tj Eck that started the debate um from yes. whsv and he's a former uh, podcast uh, interview. So go back and listen to that at any time. But he brought up a great debate. Hey, where does she stand in the best athletes to to play for JMU? And I'm finding it really hard not to put her at the top of the list. Now, I'm a homer. She's from Fort Defiance. That's Augusta County. Um, I was involved on very much on the outside of that program as she was going out of that program. I feel a sliver of connection to that. Um, and it's really none. She wouldn't even know who I am, but I am a Homer. So I, I trying to look past that, but I'm still trying to find a JMU player of any sport that was as dominant in their sport as Megan good has been. And what had more impact on the team and the program than Megan good has. And so I'm, I'm putting her on the top until someone proves me wrong. I'm, and, and people have thrown some great names at me and you can do it. And they're great players. So we're, we're, this is a debate of, Michael Jordan and LeBron and Magic Johnson and, um, you know, the top players ever to come out of JMU, they're all great names. And you can say great accomplishments for all of them. But if you're looking at their time at JMU, I, I'm having trouble putting anybody ahead of Megan Good. So here's the problem I have when we compare across sports. Uh, some sports are Valid. more individual reliant and some positions are more individually dominant allowed. Pitcher in softball, if you're a dominant pitcher in softball, that makes you pretty dominant on the field um, as compared to somebody else. But she hit as well. I mean, she's hitting homers. She's hitting that three seed for the last three years. Yeah, but I mean, I'm, what I, I guess what I'm saying is if she wasn't a pitcher, I don't think we're talking about her dominating like we are. Um, so, but she was, and she did. Like, yeah, if you take away okay, but what I'm saying is you can't then penalize yeah, someone like – I agree, and she was great, and she is – the best softball player we've ever had. But again, she's in a position that dominates and you can't penalize someone like a Charles Haley, who's a defensive lineman or a Gary Clark, who's a wide receiver. Gary Clark relies on who's getting him the ball. Uh, Charles Haley relies on the other defensive lineman being enough of a threat that he doesn't get double and triple teamed every time. Uh, and it kind of also depends on who he's going against. And I know that in terms of competition, we're talking about one double a in football, uh, compared to just other mid majors and softball. 
both of those guys are very old. Both of those are early JMU football. That's literally building that program. JMU softball has been around for a while. Um, uh, not that long, since like the early 2000s. And it really right. well, has taken I mean, off with Megan Good there. Yeah, and I'll give her that. But another name I thought of while I was driving back from the Lee soccer game today, uh, what about Don Evans? Um, Don Evans is a great one, and Marion. Both of them are, are, are ones to mention. Um, because I watched Don Evans go head-to-head yeah. against Della Dawn in what is the greatest basketball game to ever be played at the Convocation Center, in my opinion. Um, so I, I thought that was fan- I thought she was a phenomenal athlete. I think she's probably the best JMU girls soc- uh, basketball player, uh, yeah. in my opinion. I would say Megan Good is by far the best softball player. And yeah. then I think Gary Clark and Charles Haley, you could have a debate on which one's the better football player. Um, but... And my biggest debate when Charles Haley and Clark are probably the two easier ones to get thrown back at, at my comments. Again, we're arguing amongst great players. No one's bad in this list. Everybody's great. But what those guys kept getting thrown to me with was NFL hall of famer. Uh, you said, uh, Clark was a top 10 pick in the U S um, FL. Okay. That's great. They, like they had great pro careers and they proved, Hey, I am good because they, they didn't depend on what quarterback was throwing in the ball or, or what was happening on that defensive line. You know, they went in the NFL and kept on proving that they were great, but at JMU, they weren't as dominant as Megan good. Just was. I also think this is a little bit prisoner of the moment. This is what sure, you have to watch sure, out when you sure. do greatest evers. Yeah. It's easy to remember the people that you just watched. I just, when I look at her record, when I look at her ERA, what she was able to do on the mound, the fact that she was hitting and hit well, she stood out in, in college baseball, in college softball. She's a top three finalist for the player of the year award. And I don't believe these other people we talk about were, you know, Heisman finalists or even Don Evans player of the year in in girls college basketball. Like, uh, okay, so what I'm going to say to that is we're talking about different competitions here, too. I don't you, know. There is no one. There is and no. And so is girls basketball. UConn is going to have the All-Americans one through five every year, or Tennessee or Baylor now has kind of risen up. JMU is in and a different goal. More programs, more programs invest more in, in girls basketball than girls softball. That's a fact. You have more people interested in girls basketball than girls softball. That's a fact. Well, that's something Megan Good can't control. Okay, but these other people can't control that there is more interest, and therefore they're going up against a larger crop of talent and more interested people in that sport. But we're Again, also when talking we, when about we compare different sports. At JMU that wasn't going up against Alabama or at that time uh, Nebraska and Oklahoma, like all these JMU sports aren't going up against the top talent except college softball where Megan good just went up against Michigan and got it done and beat them two games in a row and then went up against UCLA and, and battle. They got beat, they got beat, but, but I, I just, I, I don't think anything has been said to me to prove Megan good. Isn't the top. And it only solidifies. She very, very much belongs in that discussion with all these people. There's no doubt about it. She belongs in that discussion. And again, I don't see how anybody's jumping ahead of her. 
I agree. I think she belongs in the discussion. I don't like when we're talking about college sports when we start going cross sport saying who's the best because you're at, you're arguing apples to oranges to pears. None of this is the same. I think you can say Megan Good is without a doubt one of the greatest athletes in JMU history. That's, that's fine. Yeah. I think you and can that's a say great compliment really is. Yeah, and I think you can say hands down she's the best softball player to ever come through that program. That's easy. I I think when you start saying is she the best athlete, I think then you're comparing different things. I think it's hard to do it. I think it's hard to say she's the greatest women's athlete because again, I've already mentioned Dawn Evans. What we're not bringing up is lacrosse, who's won a national championship. What we're not bringing up is women's soccer. We're not bringing up these other sports that don't get as much attention as softball or women's basketball. So it's hard for me to say she's the most dominant female athlete ever in JMU sports. When I'd have to go back, I'd have to look. I don't know. I just know that JMU lacrosse and JMU field hockey uh, have won national championships. So I would have to say they're playing everybody else too, and and they've won a national title. That's something that JMU softball didn't do. That's not saying that JMU softball is not good. It's not. I'm not trying to downplay their accomplishment, but I'm saying if we're if you're going to say she's going up. And these other guys didn't go up and win national championships. Well, neither did Megan Good, and some of these other programs have. Okay. So G- uh, give again, me a name off there, and we'll start talking about it. Again, but but again, <laughs> this is why I don't like comparing across different sports. I think it's a ridiculous argument to be having in the first place. Uh, it's not. No, I like the argument. It's good for Twitter. It's good for this podcast that TJX put that it's out ridiculous. there. It's ridiculous because it's fun to run through these names and talk no, about it. It's and ridiculous. you're never going to prove who's right or wrong. It's ridiculous, is what it is. I can stand on my soapbox and say Megan Good all day, and I don't think anybody can take me off of it. If Charles Haley can't take me off of it, no one can. Cool. All right. <laughs> Great. We're done arguing. What is the greatest tasting soda on a July Fourth when it's Dr. fifty Pepper degrees is outside? Just delicious. On a fifty. <laughs> When it's fifth on the rare cold day of July fourth and it's fifty degrees, what's the best soda to drink? Who cares? <laughs> you're a Mountain Dew man, though. Yeah, I'm, you're not gonna get me off Mountain Dew. It's gonna be Mountain Dew no matter what the temperature is. But yeah, hey, twenty three flavors, man. I'm just... All none of them as good as Mountain Dew. <laughs> there might be Mountain Dew in it for all I know. <laughs> um, moving on to mine, uh, what is dominating my life is the Champions League final. I've got you. I've got Ron, a.k.a. Rob, coming over, and uh, I've got some other people coming over as well for this big Champions League final game between Liverpool and Tottenham. I'm very excited about it. I look forward to you asking a bunch of different questions during the game to try to distract me and aggravate me, and I will do my best to not get angry. If Liverpool wins, it's going to be the happiest of days. If they don't, it will be the darkest of days. (laughs) At least you get my intention when I ask you stupid at stupid soccer questions because i i do know the game of soccer like i understand the game of soccer i've watched a good amount of soccer i watch a lot of world cup soccer i played soccer up until eighth grade when i had to choose between it and baseball but i do try to play dumb with it with you just to aggravate you i do not understand what championship they're playing for and how that falls in line because i'm just not used to championships not building on one another i don't get like different ones going on at the same time but i do understand how the game of soccer works and and I appreciate that you understand my motivation to uh, irritate you. Again, even the competitions going on at the same time is not that hard to comprehend. It's just a different competition. This is a European-wide competition as compared to just playing teams in your own country. But again, 
Uh, moving on, what I know that you need to know. I've got two. I'll start off with my bad one before going to my happy one. Um, the I bad got a happy one. one to wrap it up too. So listeners, don't just turn this off thinking Joe's about to make us all depressed. The the first words he says will probably depress you. So Art Bryles. Um, he got hired at a high school in the Houston area named Mount Vernon High School. For the life of me, I don't know why anyone would hire him, especially a high school coach. I'm not going to lie. I knew this day was going to happen eventually. I'm just disappointed that it's a high school and not some college, I guess. I, high school, wow. Um, it's a public school. You don't have the choice to send your kids there or not in a lot of circumstances. So that's my, I think that's why this bothers me more so than if a small-time college did it because at least then you can look and say, you know what, that turns me off. I'm not going to send a kid there. What are you going to do if you have a daughter in that area? And that's the public school. Are, are you going to pay extra money now to have to send your kids somewhere because this school showed terrible judgment? I, I think it's absolutely a disgrace for that high school. I would totally embrace that community rallying to get the um, administration fired. I, I think the principal, the school board, the athletic director, everyone involved that that okayed that hire. In my opinion, approval by the board of trustees. At that, to be hired. In my opinion, that is enough to fire everyone involved in that decision. This is a scandal that is disgusting. He covered up a sexual assault at Baylor. If you're not familiar why he got fired, it wasn't wins and losses. A he multiple, turned, a rampant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, multiple. That's the problem. Meanwhile, it's not just one. AD, it's not a one-off. It's multiple. And Meanwhile, the AD was hired at Liberty. That was also over top of this. But also we'll, disgusting. We've already talked about that. Um, but again, I just, to me, it's, it's just unbelievable that at the high school level, they have put wins and losses this high on their totem pole of things that matter. Um, it, it's, it's sad. Uh, I know that's how it is in professional sports. It's becoming that way in college sports to a degree, as you see in the college basketball, FBI investigations, but that pales in comparison to what Art Bryles is involved in, in the name of winning. Uh, and you know what? This is why when people talk about the dark, shadowy things that happen on college campuses that people don't like to talk about uh, in terms of sexual assault and women not feeling safe at in certain parts of society how in certain can places they feel safe? Yeah. how do you feel safe when this is a decision made at a high school uh in texas and again you know i know texas people are just accused of being high school football or die people this doesn't help that view um and this is something that this whole community should be ashamed of and again in my opinion anyone who approved of art browse becoming a head football coach at this or being employed at any sense in this community um, should stand to be fired and lose their job and they should feel ashamed of themselves. It's disgusting. This topic reminds me of a skit from Amy Schumer's show on Comedy Central uh, where she had skits. Uh, it was a short-lived show. Look up like a Friday Night Light spoof on Amy Schumer's show and uh, <laughs> you'll see the ridiculousness that surrounds this topic. Um, presented in a humorous way, whether you can laugh at that or not. Uh, but worth, worth a moment. If, if you think you can, uh, laugh at Amy Schumer, it's probably worth watching. So my happy one though, is that Oklahoma state softball, I'll have to send the video to Leland so he can share it on our Twitter. Um, their coach was being interviewed. 
in these super you know, you regionals. Can on Twitter too, buddy. <laughs> yeah, but I don't have the password for the Yak Sports Podcast. Some Just, people might follow Yak that don't follow me. Um, and that's fine. But there's this cool button called the retweet. It's pretty awesome. No, you don't do it. Um, but anyway, <laughs> Oklahoma State's coach is being interviewed, and one of his players is behind him doing all these different dances. Um, I didn't quite catch the song that was being played over the PA, um, but she's breaking out all these dance moves while the coach is being interviewed, and it's just hilarious. Again, I love yeah. photobombing interviews. I love yep. crazy, wacky things happening in the background. I'm all about it, and this is no different. Yeah, that'll be a good thing to catch up on. We talked about the baseball players doing that stuff the other week, so that's that's awesome. All right, my what I know you need to know to wrap things up. Uh, really cool story from WHSV. Um, a couple weeks ago, they showed this uh, young guy, 12 years old, Diego Hernandez, who lives in Stanton, and uh, he's a big John Cena fan, big wrestling fan, and his dream uh, is to meet him. And uh, he has a terminal medical condition, uh, and I can't say the word, um, craniosis. It's and it's sad. It's a, you know however you cut it, it's sad that this young guy's going through this and their family um, supporting him through this. Well, they. Saw the original John Cena, and or as people saw the original report on Diego, John Cena came here on Friday to Stanton and visited him in his home, brought him a box full of John Cena gear, which just really made him happy, and uh, was interacting with him, and it was really cool to see. I'm not a big wrestling fan. Um, I don't know when I've ever turned it over to wrestling on my TV. It just doesn't happen. Um, but I will say this is an example of other times I've seen these wrestling guys do this kind of stuff and it's really cool that they do that seems like the stars in wrestling do a good job at um taking the time to give back and to show attention to their fans that are going through tough times and uh, could really use the pick me up from what they're doing so i want to commend john cena on doing that and just say it's really cool that he did and uh we'll out the link to the story if you hadn't seen it yet but uh really cool for that kid and and, and really cool on john cena yeah it is really cool. Um, as you said, the WWE does a lot of community outreach stuff. My TV's probably been on wrestling since yours has, but it's been a while for me too. Um, yeah. But yeah. Their stars do a good job at this kind of stuff. You see it often. You see these big, um, tough guys that are full of steroids in a lot of cases, and uh, there's a lot of sadness Allegedly. surrounding that point of wrestling. We don't need to get into all that. But I do appreciate that their stars uh, seem to care about the fans by the most part. Um, I can't remember the last time I saw like a bad story about interaction with the fans. And so often you see these great stories just like this. Um, and it's more than just John Cena that does it. And the rock does it. And, uh, Hulk Hogan used to do it. And I mean, just name all the stars, even the ones whose faces are painted and hair cover them, covering their faces and they look really creepy. They still find time to, uh, acknowledge their fans. I, I appreciate that out of that sport or out of that uh, form of entertainment is probably the better way to say it. Yeah, and when you see stuff of like WWE people saying nasty things to fans, it's usually part of the show. So oh, definitely, it is. It, it 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 really is. It really is. They have dedicated fans. They know what they're doing, and and they know how to entertain people. Just not me. All right, let's get out of here. We've had a fun uh, podcast here covering this region tournaments as they got going next week we'll be here to tell you who won regions who's moving on to states and we will be previewing some of those state matchups that'll be a fun week next week as it gets into june you get the 
the uh, I guess they'd call that the jamboree down at Radford and uh, all the teams in the lower A's are playing down there and around the state, a lot of state championships. We're hoping to get multiple state championships out of our Augusta County teams. And we've been talking about them all spring and we won't leave you hanging next week. Um, we also will talk about uh, the Yak Sports Adventure to, to Joe's apartment. Um, I'm going to, you know, go back to that early 90s film or late 90s film, Joe's Apartment, and see if it it lines up with uh, what's going on in that movie. You, you might even know this reference. You might not know this. You're too young. I don't know this reference. It's not a popular movie. Um, I can tell you that, yeah, um, the bachelor pad is going to have to get cleaned up a little bit. So, uh, you know, it is what it is, but it'll be A couple ready. married guys are coming over they're they're getting you know a couple hours free from uh family life to come over to joe's bachelor pad for a soccer game it'll be a time machine i'm sure <laughs> so that'll be fun i'm sure we'll talk about that i'm sure i'll uh be picking on you about something from that and we're looking forward to that but uh everybody else listening hope you enjoyed the podcast hope you enjoyed the interview and we'll be back more next week with the sports you care about as the augusta county sports fan and come back next week find us the same way you found us this week thank you You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.